Welcome back to True Crime Trine, the podcast where three friends chat true crime, astrology, and any other weird bullshit we can fit into this podcast. We are your hosts, Hannah, Sarah, and Meredith. Welcome to episode 20! Woo! Woo! Wow. That's, that's a that milestone. Like a lot. <laughs> it really mm-hmm. does. So we're doing very well. As she sips on a tall can. <laughs> I'm telling the story today. Doing very I brought, well for ourselves. I brought a big voice, so I don't have to like get up and get a new one. Oh, I should have done that. Mine's already like a third, more than a third, halfway. Oh, you're not... You have a podcast is enough, Sarah. I always have a fresh beer when I start, and sometimes I have one sitting next to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well then, I should learn a thing or two. have a little bit of housekeeping to do. Meredith, do you want to go first? Yeah, so I have a go back to episode 18, The Queen of Hearts, and our lovely listener, Amber, was able to find the birth date for Gregory Johnson, which was 827 of 1953. So our guess that he was a Leo, right? We had a 50-50 shot here, was incorrect, and he's actually a Virgo. So... Sorry, Leos. Or maybe sorry, Virgos. Yeah, sorry, Virgos. <laughs> well, because we were like, these are bad Leo traits, dot, dot, dot. Oh, right, right, right. That's okay, because Tony made up for it last episode. Yes, he did. <laughs> we'll, tra- we'll trade him out. Speaking of Tony, that was my little catch up, because when you were telling your story, Sarah, it was like, clicking something in the back of my mind that this sounds really familiar about the babysitter part. Oh. And then I realized I had read a little article about it, and Lisa Rodman wrote a book. Yeah. Oh, I didn't mention that because I have that in my notes, I thought. Oh, I don't think you did. You mentioned... Um, okay, I must have uploaded Leo my wrong notes. Leo <laughs> book a lot, but you didn't mention Lisa Rodman, so I put it on the website. It's called The Babysitter, My Summers with a Serial Killer. I totally meant Ooh. to mention that. Whoops. <laughs> well, it's there, and I'm <laughs> All right. I'm going to buy that one. It sounds, yeah. it sounds fun. I thought it was Liza. It was like Liza what? and Louisa. Oh, I think it might be Liza. What did I say? Lisa. Ah, yeah. It's like Louisa is her little sister. Anyway... Okay, yeah. I did recognize that there was a book. I could have sworn I said it out loud, but I must have skimmed over that part in my brain and it never came through. Listeners, if Sarah did say that in the episode... No, no, I probably didn't. (laughs) If I'm just talking over her, like, let us know. So that's all I have. You have anything, Sarah? Uh, No. (laughs) Just settling back into California life and feeling real sad about the state of the fires. It's so bad. Mm -hmm. Well, let's... Dive right into my story, then. All right. Sweet. I'm really excited about this one. So, we're going to go way, way back in time and meet Peter Stube, a German farmer who was accused of werewolfery, witchcraft, and cannibalism in the year 1589. Oh, my goodness. Yay! This one feels like I need to be cozied up in front of a fireplace. Ooh, yeah. 
It's August, though. You don't want to Yeah. No, but I mean, like, it feels like one of those spooky, like, <laughs> late fall little, little kind of tales. tales. Yeah. <laughs> this one definitely won't have the guy Googling anything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's from 1589, so we are dealing with some limited documentation that is available. And on that note, I have to say Peter Stube's last name may have been Stump, because we don't know, but I'm 100% sure his first name is Peter. Cool. And Stump may have been a nickname as Peter had his left hand amputated. Oh. Which is a little rude of the townsfolk. <laughs> Yikes. I'm also 100% sure that werewolfery is my new favorite word. Yes. Werewolfery. That's what I said on Wikipedia and I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so the reason that we have as much information as we do on Peter Stoob is because there is a surviving pamphlet that was published in 1590. Uh, so there are only two physical copies, but the content has been uploaded to the internet. So the damnable life and death of Stube Peter will be linked in the reference section on the website. It's full of extremely long and confusingly written sentences because it was the 1590s. And I'm going to open the episode with one of those, which is one of the first uh, sentences of this pamphlet explaining why this pamphlet was written. So listen up. In the reading of this story, therefore, I do first request reformation of opinion. Next, patience to peruse it, because it is published for example's sake. And lastly, to censure thereof, as reason and wisdom doth think convenient, considering the subtlety that Satan useth to work the soul's destruction, and the great matters which the accursed practice of sorcery doth affect, the fruits of whereof is death and destruction forever, and yet in all ages practiced by the reprobate and wicked of the earth, some in one sort and some in another, even as the devil giveth promises to perform. Boom. Whoa. Got it? I feel that that would never pass, like, publication standards because it's so verbose. <laughs> that is one sentence. Oh, no. And I'm pretty sure what it means is that I'm going to save your soul this week. So you're welcome. <laughs> Good Lord. Oh, man. I will also do a little asterisk. The, the pamphlet link that I'm uploading is the one that has been converted into modern English spelling. And the one that I actually read was in old English, which made it even more of a difficult. Because all the, all the Fs look like Ss and shit. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think they had the letter V, so it's a bunch of U's. Oh, no. It was a, it was a whole thing. Anywho, let's meet Peter. Stube. He was a wealthy farmer who lived in the rural community of Bedburg, which is in present-day Germany. Well known to the townsfolk, uh, who thought of him as a generally good guy. No complaints. Uh, by 1592, he was a widower, and he had two adolescent children. We're gonna just do a side tangent into, um, medieval history, because I know all about that. But, technically, Bedburg was a principality of the Holy Roman Empire at that time, and was in the midst of conflict between the Protestants and the Catholics, who are always in conflict. <laughs> yeah. uh, so in 1588, the Cologne War had just wrapped up and it had devastated that area. And then, fun fact, the Cologne War was also known as the Sewer War, as during one battle, the Catholic factions were able to storm a castle by creeping through its primitive sewer system. Gross. Yeah. Gross. So that was also not to be confused with the Clone War. Ha! <laughs> that uh, happened, I think. Is it in a far, far away, long, long ago? Whatever. I think so. I don't. I don't know. 
<laughs> well, it's the Cologne War. You smell it before you see it. Okay, cool. Fair enough. I think the Thirty Years' War is going to start sooner or later as well, which is, once again, the Catholics and the Protestants being mad at each other. Hmm. And the second wave of the bu- bubonic plague was also hitting Europe at this time with a yes, brand please. new, more virulent strain of Yersinia pestis. So that's fun. Yay. Yay, if we thought we were over this, and now it's back and more deadly. Ooh, will this have real life uh, Hmm. (laughs) connections? Hmm. Hmm. Sounds familiar. What? Delta Hmm. Yersinia. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so to sum it up, this was a time of chaos and unpredictability, and people of the time tended to use the supernatural as a scapegoat for all of their problems. And Peter was also a Protestant living in a Catholic stronghold, so he may have been a very convenient target as well as one of the outsiders. So the town folk were first alerted to some shenanigans happening when their cattle began being killed and mutilated. Ooh. Uh-oh. You know, you start there, you... whatever. At first, wolves were, were blamed. Regular mm-hmm. wolves. Like Little Red Riding Hood era wolves. Yes, real wolves, animal wolves were blamed. Okay. But eventually these mutilations would be blamed on Peter and thought to be the beginning of Peter's killing spree, which started Cruelty with animals. To animals. Mm-hmm, okay. And then escalated to humans. Why the mutilation though too? Like I mean that already seems like it wouldn't be wolves, so that their first thought going with I don't know. I I'm not much of a an expert on like livestock and what wolves do to livestock, but I feel that if they're taking down a cow they want it for like their entire pack and their pups so it wouldn't be it's mutilated i don't know anyway it's the 1500s sure yeah i'm not really <laughs> sure what to tell you i do feel like in the 1500s they probably had a very good idea of what wolves were like because i think it killed a bunch of their children and whatnot so yeah but it wasn't wolves or was it Ooh. peter was accused of many murders especially of children and women as well as the deaths of numerous livestock so I am going to say that these are particularly gruesome murders, and I am going to get into all the details. But keep in mind, I don't even know if this happened because it was just described in a pamphlet, but it's a fun story. The young women were sexually assaulted while Peter was in his human form before being torn apart by Peter's wolf form. Oh. Fun story. <laughs> he is a werewolf. Yes, he has two forms, and he doesn't practice bestiality. Okay. I guess, because he's human form for the sexual assault and then wolf form for the murder. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, he draws the line there. <laughs> you know, everyone has a line. Mm-hmm. You'll learn more about Peter and you'll be like, just go for some bestiality. I don't know why you're holding out on this one thing. Pregnant women had their fetuses ripped from their wombs and oh. Peter would quote, eat their hearts panting hot and raw and describe the fetuses as dainty morsels. Oh, oh no. gross. Uh, small children were strangled, bludgeoned, and had their throats ripped open with Peter's bare hands. Jesus. Or his bare paws. Claws. His wolf paws. Still opposable thumbs, sounds like. Yeah, you know, I don't know the anatomy of the werewolves that, that well. <laughs> and some of the children were also disemboweled and partially eaten. Oh, And then the animals were ripped apart and eaten raw. So the town folk were terrified, obviously. Clearly. And it's it's terrifying time, I understand townsfolk. 
They began trying to stay in groups as much as possible, but that was no guarantee of protection. So Peter was able to commit a triple murder when he saw a group of two men and one woman taking a walk outside the city walls. Not to victim blame, but maybe don't do that. Peter knew one of the men, so he like scurried behind a bush, yelled out the man's name, saying that he needed some help with the lumber. So the guy walked over to the bush, and once he was out of sight, Peter bashed his head in. Oh, and then no. when the first guy didn't come back, the second guy went to the bush to investigate and also had his head bashed in. And then when the woman found herself alone, she tried to run. She wasn't going to investigate. <laughs> uh, but Peter was able to catch her. It's thought that he first raped her, then killed her, and devoured her entire body as her corpse was never found. Oh. Oh, my God. Well, then how would they know that he raped her? God told them. <laughs> There's no evidence. <laughs> There's very limited evidence for any of this. This is a pamphlet written in 1590. This guy Peter may have actually just been some poor dude who was trying to, like, keep the family farm and went against the church one time. <laughs> yeah, who fucking knows? <laughs> or maybe he was an aspiring writer oh. and these were, you know, fictional stories. I'm just impressed he could write in 1590. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. Uh, there was one child who was lucky enough to escape Peter's grasp. So at one time, there was a group of children playing in a meadow when Peter came upon them in his werewolf form. The children all scattered, and Peter was able to grab one small girl by the neck. And he attempted to tear out her throat, but he was unable to due to her high, stiff collar, which, oh, damn, like girl. Fashion choices, man. They can save your life. Like the Elizabethan collar things, were those around then? I, I feel like those were later. It's just fabric. I don't, I don't understand. That's a, that's a tough collar. Uh, her screaming startled the cows, who, who charged towards Peter, who was forced to let go of the girl and run away. So the cows Aww. saved the day. Yay, cows! Aww. They're like, hey, fuck this guy. They've been killing us, too. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Peter enjoyed his double life immensely. And would go through town and chat with the friends and families of his victims. No. Yeah. He also used these saunters to pick his next victim and stalk them a bit before getting them out to a secluded area where he would, quote, ravish them and cruelly murder them, end quote. Okay. Mm -hmm. Peter was able to terrorize the town of Bedburg for 25 years. Jesus. 25 years. Even though, quote... They had practiced all the means that men could devise to take this ravenous beast, yet until the Lord had determined his fall, they could not in any wise prevail. Wait, he's just chilling in town and, like, nobody can go and just kill him in his sleep? I don't understand. Well, they don't know it's Peter Stoop. They just know it's a werewolf. Oh, uh, okay. So. But they're saying that he's, like, hanging out with the people's family. Well, he lives there. Oh, so he, they didn't know that he was the person at they all didn't know that all he was time. the werewolf at all they just knew there was this monster okay and the kid but who got away couldn't didn't say anything no she's probably scared shitless she probably have seen very much to be honest that seems like a really chaotic moment there's just a bunch of cows and they saved my life <laughs> that's all i she becomes a milkmaid <laughs> Finally, God decided that the townsfolk were ready to capture and learn the identity of the werewolf. Thanks, God. 25 years. Probably enough time. What did yeah. they do to incur his wrath before? <laughs> that wasn't on the pamphlet. 
<laughs> okay. After 25 years of this reign of terror, the townsfolk were finally able to track the wolf and trap it with their hounds. But when they moved in for the kill, the wolf was gone, and its place was Peter Stube. Hmm. It's unclear whether they actually saw him transform or if Peter was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Dude's drunk taking a nap in the field. It <laughs> just like pops up like, what the fuck? What's happening? Well. Did they train They train the dogs on the scent or what? It's a pamphlet from the 1590s. I mean, there's no way to know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm think, just wondering like. I how think the it answer a- is God. It's got to be God. It's got to be God. Because the, the dogs didn't figure it out for 25 years until God was ready. But God definitely wanted those fetuses eaten. Oh. He's anti-abortion, but uh, he finds a way around it. Werewolf abortion is okay. <laughs> God provides. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, if he was just drunk, here's your PSA against being drunk in a field because he was captured and tortured. Yeah, of course. So, ultimately, under torture, Peter confessed to the murders of 13 children, two pregnant women, and one man, although he also got accused and convicted of other murders as well. But also under extreme duress by today's standards, so therefore, like, he might just be like, sure, yeah, I did it, kill me, get it over with now, please, I want to just die, I'd rather die than have to go through this anymore. Yeah, because you think about the methods of torture back in the 1500s. Ugh, I don't even right. want to know. I, mm, Stop yeah. it. The cat. <laughs> Morris is torturing me. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into it a little bit later. They don't just get to the killing. This pamphlet described Peter as being exceedingly lazy and also said that Peter had started practicing magic, necromancy, and sorcery at the age of 12. At that same time, he made a pact with the devil who said he would give Peter whatever his heart desires. And Peter's heart did not desire money or fame. His heart wanted to terrify and torture men, women, and children. So the devil made him a a werewolf. Okay. This sounds like a victim of early childhood bullying. (laughs) I know, how lazy can he be if he's a wealthy farmer? Anywho, the devil gave Peter a belt, and when Peter put the belt on, quote, he was straight transformed into the likeness of a greedy, devouring wolf, strong and mighty, with eyes great and large, which in the night sparkled like unto brands of fire, a mouth great and wide, with most sharp and cruel teeth, a huge body and mighty paws. So he had to put the belt on? He had on. to put the belt on. So then did it become a collar for the wolf? Versus <laughs> werewolf running around sporting a goddamn belt? I would assume, I don't know, because he's able, next sentence, when Peter removed the belt, he would transform back into his human form. So he has to be able to get it off somehow as a werewolf. Then therefore the werewolf form does have opposable thumbs. Yeah. Yeah, I second that. (laughs) Yeah. And the belt has to be somewhere, it can't just disappear, it has to be somewhere that he could actually take it off. So a collar. I think a collar is a good, probably, yeah. I don't know, I just... All the werewolf movies that I've seen, like, the people generally, like, get naked before they oh transform, right? So they're not wearing clothes, or they bust out of their clothes or garments. I would say this one didn't talk that much about Peter's nakedness. I don't know. Okay. I'm also getting on Facebook a ton of, um, I guess, targeted ads for terrible, terrible fan fiction about werewolf packs and, like, ugh. 
It's, I've seen those too, though. But I always click on them and read them. So I can't. Oh, no. Because I'm just like, oh, what no. the, like, what the fuck is this? And I read it. Okay. I, you know, I saw it probably maybe about a week or two ago. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And I thought, this is like really sad Twilight fan fiction almost. <laughs> it's super sad, but I feel like might be getting paid because you have to buy an app to read it. Because I don't know why it's just not on, like, fanfiction.com or archive of, of our own. Like, it's not that good. It has a lot of grammatical errors. It's like a seventh grader wrote it. <laughs> yeah, maybe my next job can be a fanfiction editor. Yeah. <laughs> well, this belt is a piece of physical evidence. And so the townsfolk went back to the place where Peter was captured and searched for a belt. But surprisingly, no belt was ever found. Interesting. And by surprisingly, mm-hmm. I think I mean unsurprisingly. Yeah. <laughs> well, Peter was not merely a werewolf murderer. He also had an incestuous relationship with his daughter. Oh, oh no. And his daughter was known to the townsfolk as a beautiful and good person. But by the time she made it to the pamphlet, she had been, quote, defiled by her father. Uh, she eventually gave birth to her father's son. No, no, no. This son was quickly killed by Peter, who lured the boy into the forest, killed him, and ate his brains. Okay. The pamphlet also stated that Peter had sexual relations with his sister. Ew. Seduced a, quote, good Christian woman, end quote, to become his mistress, or as the pamphlet called it, his gossip, which I really like. Gossip? His gossip instead of his mistress. That's like a slang term. I get in the 1590s. Wow. All right. That's kind of cute. It is cute. I love gossip. And he had a <laughs> seven-year relationship with a woman who turned out to be a she-devil. Oh. What, what is a she-devil? A female devil? A female demon in the shape of a woman, I guess. Is that a succubus? Uh, yeah. But but Peter was also a demon at this point, I guess, so. Succubi and incubi can hang out. Yeah. They cancel each other out. Well, <laughs> on that note... <laughs> Due to the horrific nature of his crimes, Peter was sentenced to a public execution on Halloween, during which he, quote, had his body laid on a wheel and with red-hot burning pinchers in ten several places to have the flesh pulled off from his bones. After that, his legs and arms to be broken with a wooden axe or hatchet. Afterward, to have his head struck through his body, then to have his carcass burned to ashes. And so, wow. as not to waste a good fire, his daughter and his gossip were burned at the stake. Oh. As if it was, well, I mean, the gossip, I don't know. She has some bad life choices, but the daughter has been I know on her whole life. That's fucked. You should have got the she-devil. Yeah. Oh, the gossip wasn't the she-devil? No, that no was the sister. gossip was a oh. good, no, there's a sister, Oh, comma, a good Christian woman who oh. he seduced to become his gossip, and oh, a she-devil. Okay. I thought the and a she did like she was the gossip and by the way she was also a she. Oh no. This <laughs> is like, another what? another <laughs> person. Okay. Oh. And I I heard it the other way. It was <laughs> the oh, sister no. who was a great good oh. Christian woman. Ah <laughs> oh, fuck, I got to learn how to write or I have to learn how to <laughs> No, you have to, you're interpreting ancient texts. Yeah. <laughs> In old English, nonetheless. <laughs> well, there are some websites that are written in regular English, but I did read the whole pamphlet. <laughs> How many pages was the pamphlet? It says 16. It's not super long. Um, so as a warning to other werewolves, devil worshippers, and witches, 
The wheel that Peter was tortured on was put at the top of a tall pole. Sixteen strips of wood hung from the wheel representing the sixteen known victims. Above the wheel was a framed image of a wolf, and on the very top was Peter's severed head. Oh, okay. Topper piece. That's like a Wheel of Fortune card that you don't want to see. <laughs> so that's Peter. I'm just going to say Peter Stu wasn't a werewolf. I think no. that's safe to say. I think they're looking for there to be some terrible um, supernatural reasons for the, I mean, the fact that there's a monster among humans. Yeah. And the monster is humans. Yeah. But that's what I mean. Like, they, oh, yeah. They couldn't fathom someone being that terrible. So it had to be. There had to be some something else along with it. It just couldn't be a serial killer like we're accustomed to in yeah. these days. Yeah. Yes. At least we have finally admitted that we can be evil. But I did go down a little rabbit hole, though, about looking at real life cases of clinical lycanthropy. I have one go back. Uh-huh. You said Peter had a stub. So was he a three-legged wolf? <laughs> I think he was missing one of his paws. Okay. So I probably would have adopted him because I love three-legged animals. Oh my gosh, is this how you got <laughs> on this topic? No, but uh, now I'm seeing, yeah, what it could all mean. I just honestly think that Peter probably, I don't know, was a drunk and a ladies' man. And yeah, kind of annoying. Yeah. Maybe people didn't like him because he was rich. Probably. And I really feel like he was just probably sleeping out in his field. <laughs> <laughs> really didn't need to bring his daughter into all of this, but... No. But, yes, Peter definitely got executed. Horrendously uh, executed. Death by flesh removal is not... Very well. Oh, my God. Well, it's the flesh removal, the removal of the limbs, the removal of his head. I mean, I would I would like to think that he was dead long before the no, removal of his limbs. No, no way. Even. Medieval torturers? Uh-uh. They're tearing, like, muscle tissue yeah, off of his he's body. he's 100% alive during that part. Oh, yeah. If you, if you rip, like, part of your arm off, wouldn't the artery then just be, like, out there and bleeding out? Yeah, but you're not dead. And they might, I don't know how big the pieces are. Oh. Or how, how quickly they went through each of the processes. Each of these steps. But, like, I imagine he was 100% alive until his head was cut off. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which was... I guess good, because his daughter and his gossip went just straight into the fire, head on, which is terrible, too. I'm so glad we are not of that era. No. Cottagecore, are you listening? (laughs) This is true cottagecore. (laughs) Find yourself a really thick collar. So, I did do a little tangent into clinical lycanthropy, so people who think they have been transformed into a wolf. I also don't know a ton about the brain, but... I think this is super interesting, so I just have a couple case studies to kind of wrap it up and a little research into the biological foundations of this disorder. Okay. So as recently as 2014, a case study was published where the patient displayed increasingly psychotic animal-like behaviors. He howled loudly in his room. He broke into a run abruptly in the hallway, and at times, he crawled on the floor on all limbs. An animal. Interesting. And then after some pressing, he admitted that he believed he was a werewolf and would periodically transform into a wolf, thus all of these behaviors. But he was treated with ciprasidone, which is an antipsychotic use to treat schizophrenia, mania, or bipolar disorder. He responded positively to 
the drugs and his belief about being a werewolf disappeared and his animal-like behavior stopped. Hmm. I also thought it was interesting that wolves are not the only animal that people have believed they have been transformed into. So there are cases that have been described where a patient believed that they were a dog, a hyena, a cat, a horse, a bird, a tiger, a frog, a snake, and even a bee, which sounds so boring. (laughs) A bee. Well, I know I wish I was a cat. I do all the time. When I see Morris asleep on the bed, ugh. That's my life. Yeah. Spirit animal. I want that to be my life. (laughs) Which animal would you like to be transformed into if you had a delusion that you were transforming into an animal, listeners? Yeah, we'd like to know. I'm going to go with cat. Oh, okay. Sea turtle. All right. I don't know. They live for a really long time. and They're just chilling there out in the ocean, hanging out. And like, they're pretty good at dodging predators. Like I saw a movie of a sea turtle dodging a shark. It was pretty good at it. Adept. (laughs) After a really, really, really bad anxiety attack in the middle of a Hawaiian resort, I was able to get my snorkeling gear on and swim next to a sea turtle. Oh, Did it help? Which was super cool. It was just the mask uh, oh. for snorkeling, which caused a, a pretty severe panic attack. But then uh, my husband was like, there's a sea turtle. And I couldn't get that shit on fast enough because I was like, I want to swim next to a <laughs> sea turtle. Super cool, though. I think I'm going to stick with a cat, though. I want to just eat, sleep, and only get affection when I want it and then hiss <laughs> and bat at people. <laughs> I think cat... I'm most like a cat, maybe like a badger. They're a little uh, standoffish, but they're still cute. Or badger fits your Capricorn energy perfectly. I think badger (laughs) might be my whatever the non-appropriate word is for spirit animal. Anywho. Or I want to be one of those giant clams that lives on the sulfur vents at the bottom of the ocean so everyone leaves me alone. (laughs) (laughs) And I can, you know metabolize sulfur and all that other bullshit. I'm amazing. Wait, a clam or a tube worm? Aren't there clams down there too? Oh, maybe. I think there's both. There's tube worms though that have the, like, nothing. They don't even have stomachs. They just have their microbes that help them metabolize shit. I could be a tube worm. My GI tract is kind of unsteady sometimes. I could get rid of it. I think I would also like to be a shark. Because then I get to eat fish. The sea turtle. (laughs) No, no, no. Because I love raw fish. (laughs) Oh, polar bear, penguin. I am a penguin. And you like being cold, too. I do. I like being cold. I like being around my friends. I like eating fish. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think you are a penguin. I'm a badger. And Meredith is a cat. All right. There we go. We've handled it it, folks. (laughs) I have another case study that just came out in 2021, which was a stressful year for everyone. So maybe the pandemic had some to do with this. Uh, But there was a 25-year-old man referred to a psychiatrist with obsessive compulsive symptoms, so excessive hand-washing, irritable behavior, decreased sleep, and recurrent cleaning of genital areas. Okay. But the cherry on top of these symptoms was that he also believed that he was a buffalo and had been acting like (gasps) one for months. (laughs) Like snorting and stomping his feet? Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. And apparently... This was triggered about six months earlier when this man fucked a buffalo a couple times. (gasps) No. No. And then began to believe that a few buffalo cells had entered his body, which would 
gradually turn him into a buffalo. Biology, folks. Yep. There Isn't you go. it bonkers? Oh my and god. And then when asked to draw a representation of his body by a psychiatrist, he drew a rather good picture of a buffalo, which is on the website. That has some extreme dysmorphia. Oh, it's yeah. so much. And like you guys said, he was beginning to act like a buffalo, like nodding his head and walking on all four legs, asking his for hay and grass to eat. Pretty sure buffaloes don't ask for hay and grass. I think they just okay. take it. Yep. <laughs> So he was treated with fluoxetine, an antidepressant, at the same dose that I'm also on. I do not believe I'm a buffalo. <laughs> and as well as risperidone, which is an antipsychotic, and his symptoms were reduced. Reduced. So only part buffalo. Well, it's just 2021. Maybe it takes some time for it all to go away. Sure. What I would have li- liked, because I'm linking the paper to this journal article, what I would have liked to see actually is, after he had been on these medications for a while him to redraw what he thinks his body looks like and see if it's a person. I was just going to ask, does no, he like mm-hmm. just, just have hoofs, there. hoofs left or like what <laughs> like part of horn. him is still buffalo? <laughs> One horn. <laughs> I mean, probably the penis would be the last to go because it's the thing that touched the buffalo the most. Oh. Ew. <laughs> you guys are so grossed out so easily. <laughs> I'm just wondering how he got close enough to a buffalo to do that. Multiple times. Oh, God. Ew. Like, was this at a national park or like... I'm actually like, fairly, Those things will kill you. I'm fairly certain this might have been in India. Oh, so not like American bison type buffalo. Yeah. Because those things will kill you. Yeah, I don't think you get a second chance. I thought ruminants like cows were sacred in India. Well, this I think this man had other issues as well. Because he did have OCT, OCD behavior with this on top of it, so... Curing him of thinking he's a buffalo was not going to just cure him completely of his OCD. Like, that needed to be treated as well. Yeah. Not that OCD makes you think you're a buffalo, but... But he had other pre-existing issues. Things were percolating up there, and... um, He had issues. Well, we can say that, but he's doing better now. That's That's great. That's good. Okay. (laughs) What if you heard that your significant other had fucked an animal? Um, you need to go to a psychiatrist. Fair. Bye. Bye. Okay. That's good. Yeah. We're no longer in a relationship and you need to see a psychiatrist. Okay. Just testing the waters. No, not that I'm fucked an animal, but just see what we're all on the same page here. Yeah. No, that's, that's not okay. It's never Mm-mm. okay. I also have such poor self-esteem. I'll be like, really? You picked a dog over me? And so. I don't think that's what it's about. It's definitely not what it's about, <laughs> but like. You know, negative self-talk doesn't listen to logic. Going back to clinical lycanthropy, it's very rare and kind of fuzzy as to whether it's a psychiatric disorder in and of itself. So it's grouped in with the Delusional Misidentification Syndrome, or DMS, which the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, defines as a number of pathological conditions in which a person has a belief involving misidentification of a person, place, or object. This belief is adhered to in spite of clear evidence refuting it. So like flat earthers? <laughs> well, let's see if any of... Actually, yes, because uh, misidentification of a place maybe could be the earth. I mean, an object. If you think an a object, sphere yeah. is a flat piece of cardboard, then something's wrong. Well, I have a kind of, I have a couple examples of some 
interesting psychological disorders that fall into delusional misidentification syndrome. So there's Capgras syndrome, where a person believes that a friend, spouse, parent, or other close family member has been replaced by an identical imposter. Ooh, that's spooky. And my favorite part of this actually is the DSMM specifies that the close family member can be a pet. Oh no. Oh. Otter, you're not an imposter. I can tell Morris is not. He has come to interrupt the podcast a couple times. <laughs> um, there's Fregoli syndrome, where a person believes that different people are in fact a single person who changes appearances or is in disguise. Interesting. And the fun fact here is it was named after Leopoldo Fregoli, an Italian actor who was famous for his quick costume changes. Oh, okay. I thought, interesting. Subjective doubles, a delusion in which people believe there there is a doppelganger or a double of themselves carrying out independent actions. Have you guys ever had a doppelganger experience? No. I haven't. I've had people like mistake me for people before though. Not that I think I have a common looking face, but I haven't had it myself, but I I like had a friend who's had it. It's really weird. Yeah, I've seen different, like, articles and stuff where they have the, like, picture comparison between two people. Like, there was this this guy on an airplane, and he was, like, walking to go to his seat, and there was someone already seated, and then he had to, like, double take because he was like, dude, you look just like me. So then they sat next to each other and took a quick selfie to share with their friends and stuff. <laughs> That's but, cool. I mean, yeah, you definitely turn your head, right? And be yeah, like, you're what? like, what? Well, you're not a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> DNA can only make so many types of faces. That's not true. Intermetamorphosis, where a person believes that they can see others change into someone else in both external appearance and internal personality, which I think is creepier seeing the personality change. Like someone else could see Dr. Jekyll turn into Mr. Hyde? Exactly. Or okay. they could see Peter Stube turn into a werewolf. Okay. The author of this pamphlet might have had intermetamorphosis. Yeah. <laughs> what about ergots? I mean, possible, but... Like, because this was in an entire town that... Was terrified. Said that they had witnessed certain things, right? Like, yeah, that's true. It was the whole town, and Peter was a very convenient scapegoat. What kind of farmer was Peter? Unspecified. Yeah. Yeah, how, how silly would that be if, like, he was this wealthy farmer who produced all of the grain for the entire county and they all got ergots from him 25 years <laughs> is a long time i guess to that's keep true. having ergot syndrome symptoms but that would also be like fucking not karma per se but like fuck you you grow the grain and we're gonna kill you because we think you're insane <laughs> okay and there's also reverse intermetamorphosis which is the delusional belief that an individual is undergoing radical changes in their own physical and psychological identities, so clinical lycanthropy falls into this category. Okay. Um, there was a Dr. Jan Dirkblom who found that since 1850, there have been 56 cases that fit the definition for reverse intermetamorphosis, and 13 of those met the criteria for clinical lycanthropy. So pretty rare. Wow. Um, it's still unclear as to why these disorders occur. So. Delusional misidentification syndrome has been seen in association with a number of neurological and psychiatric conditions, including primary psychotic and affective disorders or drug intoxication and withdrawal, uh, cerebral vascular disease, which I thought was interesting, but 
Hmm. It must be blocking the blood up to your brain or something. Or like not replenishing it fast enough. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. deoxygenation of the brain is a bad, bad situation. It's a bad time. Uh, traumatic brain injury, dementia, delirium, and seizures. All of these have been seen in con- conjunction with delusional misidentification syndrome. And uh, clinical lycanthropy is seen mostly associated with schizophrenia or affective disorders. And affective disorders include depression, got it, anxiety, got it, and stress disorders, got it. Uh-oh. <laughs> and another, I think this might be my last fun fact. But the acronym for the International Society for Affective Disorders is ISAD. Aww. <laughs> I loved it so much as a depressed asshole. <laughs> ISAD. If it gave you a laugh, then. I'm just going to tell know. people. <laughs> I said. Do you think they, like, planned They had to do that on purpose. Although, in my mind, International Society for Affective Disorders, there's only so many ways you could do it. I mean, there's also seasonal affective disorder, which is just which sad. is different. It's just right. sad. I but it's sad. Also sad. <laughs> only sad. Only sads. Like OnlyFans. Oh no. I'm not going to get on my soapbox about OnlyFans. I'm going to go to brain imaging techniques instead. But if you created something like an Only Sads, is it like where other other people who are depressed and don't want to hang out with people will just like log on and watch you complain about things that suck? Maybe. Or and be like, yeah, that does suck. The other thing I do a lot better with than, like, gentle guided meditation is stop being an asshole, you dumb fuck. So maybe just, like, someone yelling at you for a while. (laughs) I don't think they're going to log on for that. I might. (laughs) This is why I'm not creating an app, because no one wants the things that I want. (laughs) (laughs) So, using some brain imaging techniques, psychiatrists have been trying to detect the underlying causes of DMS and kind of more broadly this neurological basis of aberrant belief formation. So using these brain imaging techniques, you can see which parts of the brain light up under certain circumstances. And so in order for us to recognize ourself as ourself and our body as our body is really fucking complicated, actually. Yeah. And mm-hmm. pre-sensory and sensory neural circuits in the brain are essential. So lesions or other injury to the area of the brain that would include these circuits could result in a distorted sense of self, which could manifest in many different ways. We talked about five different ways already. Scientists think that a localized lesion is not enough of an um, explanation for this delusional misidentification syndrome, but a lesion might be responsible for partial misidentification disorders, such as, this is a fun word, somatoparaphrenia, which is a disorder in which the person misidentifies a part of his body as non-self. So like, you're like, that's not my foot. It's totally your foot. Would you cut your foot off because you're afraid of it not being your foot? I mean, to me, I think I'd be fine with any foot. But, like, if it didn't feel like your foot? If it didn't feel like my foot, it does seem like one of those things that would drive you to extreme measures. Yeah. So. That's creepy. Yeah. So, like, a brain lesion in just, like, a one place of the brain on these sensory neurons could be a cause for this. But this, like, global misidentification of self, your entire body you think is changing or somebody else's entire body is changing, probably resulting from a more, like, diffuse neurological or psychiatric disorder that would just kind of affect the brain all over, disrupting the processing or the integration of all the signals that you're getting from the world. Okay. And in patients with DMS, 
brain imaging has shown a predominance of right hemisphere lesions along with right frontal lobe damage. And the frontal lobe damage they think may be implicated in the failure to reject these delusional explanations. Okay. Which I thought was super, super interesting. Mm -hmm. But the rational thought is still maintained because it's the left hemisphere that's more responsible for rational thought. To some extent. Right. But you're still experiencing delusions and believing them to be logical. That's so, like, cool and creepy. It's so terrifying. Like, the brain is the most fucking boring organ outside of the body. It's just a blob. Which is, like, this really hammers home the really important part of any, like, situational, I don't know, like, even true crime. They always say, watch out for, after, like, traumatic head Head injuries of like behavioral changes and things like that because if you nip that in the bud really quickly and identify it then like you can counteract in various ways rather than like letting the person go through it and they might end up violent or self-harming or in some other way like that but also prions don't eat raw raw brains and things like that peter (laughs) stoob peter or anybody yeah i mean i'm not like shitting on psychiatrists i'm just I think they are doing a lot of good research, but we just don't know yeah. very much about the brain. I always get tripped out, too, by by the idea that, like, your human brain is the only thing on the planet that is capable of thinking about itself. Yeah. God, it's so fucking weird. Like, mm-hmm. cat brains can cognitively recognize things, but it doesn't know that the brain is what drives everything. Oh, not at all. So, like, thinking about that sometimes to me just, like... Wow, I don't know. It's just weird. Like this collection of cells up in my noggin. <laughs> I literally a brain out of a body. I dissected a brain once. Boring as fuck. There's like nothing, nothing interesting in there. I mean, just a ton of neurons and glial cells. And it's interesting and out of like the that. microscope, but like macroscopically, it's not interesting. Like it's a soggy mushroom. Yeah, basically a soggy oh. mushroom. <laughs> so, unsurprisingly, going back to Peter Stube. I don't have a birth date or a birthplace or anything. <laughs> it was uh, 191590. So no case related uh, astrology for this episode. But I do feel like this might be our first good dose of witchy bullshit with all this werewolfery stuff. Like werewolf-ery. this was pure witchy bullshit today. Yeah. And then I want to end on something that made me laugh out loud. Like, actually, I LOL'd while alone in my room. And it's an article that I found where Dr. Kevin Piddle, an anthropologist at Biola University, has found that Donald Trump could possibly be a descendant of Peter Stube based on ancestry records. And I love this so much that I'm not going to look any further into this. I'm just going to accept it. There was also an article I didn't actually read. I never played Animal Crossing during the pandemic. But there was an article saying something about how, like, the character you play in Animal Crossing might have clinical lycanthropy because <laughs> it thinks it's an animal. I don't know. I didn't read that one. <laughs> okay. I never played. I never played it. And I don't know what it's about. Okay. I thought you were. I thought you did. Like, you picked characters that were like little creatures. Yeah. I'm confused. Okay. Yeah. Cut anyway. it. Anyway. <laughs> and then I just wanted to say. Now I'm really going to end, but this is a story that I was born to tell um, because when I was doing my master's program, we took a seminar class every quarter where we, each of us had to give a talk once a quarter or whatever. And so the first quarter, the talk was specific 
uh, Northwest animals. You could just pick an animal and do whatever the fuck you wanted. And so I picked wolverines, which were more boring than I thought they would be. <laughs> wolverines are cool. They're cool, but they're just kind of loners. And the research is kind of like, oh, yeah, it walked over here. Oh, it walked over there. Yeah. Um, but my talk went super great, except for the fact that I referred to the werewolves. Nope, I did it right now. I referred to the wolverines <laughs> at least four times as werewolves in my talk in front of my first quarter there. I was like, and the werewolf, you see, has this big of an area of whatever. And I was like, oh, God damn it. So I was trying to spice it up a little bit, but. That's really cute. Werewolves. People might have just thought you were being cheeky about it to bring a little bit of livelihood a levity. into it. Yeah. <laughs> I got a, like, I got a good grade on that, but with a little, like, asterisk. So it was like, leave the werewolves out next time. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. I just can't leave the werewolves out. All right. Morris is being his most Morris right now. Okay. I am done. We got some astrology? Yeah. All right, so Mercury enters Libra on August thirtieth, the day that this comes out. Sorry, Libras. <laughs> I knew. So I actually have this here. It's funny. Mercury's in Libra from August thirtieth through November fifth, and during this time, Libra can take control of our communication and decision making. And so then I say, of course, Hannah might have some opinions about We're this Libra energy. We're gonna be all wishy-washy and people-pleasy and not actually say what we mean. <laughs> uh, well. <laughs> Libra energy being in control of our communication might be actually a good thing because when Mercury's in Libra, we're going to be more diplomatic and friendly. So like you might say people pleasy, some people might think diplomatic, but this actually means that we're able to bring sometimes more rational decisions to our interpersonal relationships and you can maybe notice some enhanced skills at negotiation during this time. Because when you're communicating and you're being diplomatic, your negotiation skills might improve a little bit. So think about that in some of the projects that you might be coming up on and how you're going to navigate those. I did say at the very beginning of this podcast that I was going to try to come around to Libra. Yeah. It hasn't <laughs> happened yet. Okay. Well, as always with Libra, everything is a balance, right? The scales. So um, you might face some issues with making some quick decisions because Libras often tend to be a bit wishy-washy. There's that term that you just used. They might sit on the fence a while for these some of these decision-making times. So you might find that you're a little bit more eager to be a people-pleaser in an effort to avoid being the antagonist, but you also need to remember to be able to advocate for yourself. And so carrying on kind of this thing that I did last week, I was thinking, well... For people like Hannah who vibe more with crystals than they do with Libras, let's do a little bit of this too to help you during this time. So there are some crystals that will help you with communication and that also vibe and enhance Libra tendencies, whether or not you actually agree with how they live their lifestyles. I might hide um, it, those crystals. It helps, it helps to lean into it though during this time because it's going to amplify those abilities and not be as antagonistic and like counterproductive to them. So clear quartz and selenite are really good for aligning, identifying, and amplifying your communication. Oh, like the most boring crystals? That well, they're clear. <laughs> so clear quartz can help you like find it out. And then the selenite is directional, right? It's like polarized crystals almost. So then you can amplify them like towards something that way. Yeah, that's, that's some real wish, wishy bullshit for you there. I should have found some crystals about how to keep werewolves away or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'd probably be bloodstone. Uh, yeah, black tourmaline is protective. Yeah, 
Blue lace agate is really good for laying boundaries. So if you are finding yourself wishy-washy and you, you need to advocate for yourself better, blue lace agate can help you get there. Labradorite is always good in the workplace for bringing wisdom, rational thought to your words for this communication time. Fluorite, of course, for balance Love because it. it's Libra. And then carnelian and citrine for confidence. So you can stop being that, oh, I don't know. I don't want to upset anybody. Just No, just do it. Just do it. Upset somebody it. this week and let us know how it goes. <laughs> I also have um, on September 5th, Venus in Libra will be square with Pluto in Capricorn. Ooh. Those don't get along. <laughs> no, they don't. So power struggles will create tension in relationships, and this could even put a strain on your wallet. So no, uh-oh. I already... Be aware, the 5th might not be the best day for you. No expensive date nights. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe just not talking to my significant other at all for the day. Yeah. Yeah, that's really going to end well. <laughs> Andrew, we can't talk right now because of the square. Communication is needed. <laughs> I'll do it tomorrow, but right now it's not of the stars. <laughs> Sorry. So as Mercury enters Libra, if you want to please these lovely ladies... Please connect with us on Twitter at True Trine, on Instagram at True Crime Trine, on Facebook at TCT Podcast. You can email us directly at truecrimetrine at gmail.com and check out our amazing website at www.truecrimetrine.com. I almost thought our website was www.murdermittens.com, but it's not. Murder <laughs> Cool. All right, D.S. Lawrence, this might be your last one. You have 20 episode run. I'll see if I can find something else. Because I haven't figured out whether he's a good writer or a racist. So, (laughs) you know, but he did say some things after 1590. Something about how it's totally okay to flirt with the Zodiac. Uh, The Zodiac is well worth flirting with. Unless it's a Zodiac killer. Boom! Music for our podcast was handcrafted by the talented and creative minds of Mike Warren and Pete Ortega. Our artwork was imagined and skillfully designed by the lovely Sarah Guest. As for production, well, they call me post-production. Show notes are available upon request. Just email truecrimetrine at gmail.com. Join us again next week for another tantalizing episode.